Yes, I have been in the beauty space for my entire professional career. Um, I was actually chatting with a friend the other day and I realized that my first job was in a salon and I kind of block it out a little bit because it's really actually hysterical. I ran the tanning beds in a booth rental salon. <laughs> oh my God. I was 15 and it was this little salon in a strip center near my house. And she paid me like cash under the table. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, tanning in high school. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was awesome. Right. And so, mm -hmm. um, that I, I guess really began my journey. So longer than 20 years, if I count that. Um, and I decided like really on a whim, if I think back to go to cosmetology school, um, mm -hmm. my best friend was in cosmetology school and an Aveda Institute had opened in the city I lived in. And I remember being conscious of like, oh, that's a really nice school. You know, mm -hmm. I could go there and get a really great education and I could be really successful. And I remember thinking that because I made the decision at that time to leave a full academic scholarship. I was in college and I dropped out to go to cosmetology school. And of course my mother wanted to like murder me. She's like, what are you doing? I can, I can visualize this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she, she said to me, like, you are wasting your brain, Stephanie. Like this is such a mistake. And I was very fiery, right? I was 17 at the time. And I was like, I'll show you, you know, I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, so the, yeah, that's how my career began in the industry. And Kind of moved through a, a lot of different paths for obviously salon work and i made the decision very early in my salon time to specialize in hair color oh, um, I love that. I, yeah i not a cutter i have very double jointed fingers i don't know if you can tell from the video oh but, my like, gosh my yeah. straight line is not straight and i was like i don't like this i it's like hair color. Color. <laughs> so i specialized in color um and started salon work and ended up heading out to los angeles because i wanted some training with sassoon so I went out there and had the chance to do their eight week wow. intensive. It was so good. That was, had to be amazing. It was so good. And I was 18 and mm -hmm. I got to go from the Midwest to like Santa Monica, California and live in a hotel on the beach. And like, it was like the dream. Yeah. You can imagine I, I didn't want to come back. So I actually moved to California. Oh my gosh. Yep. So I was like, I'm going to live here. So I actually spent almost 10 years in Los Angeles. And when I was out there, I worked in a couple of different roles. I worked in salons. I started a, um, with the Aveda Corporation in a retail role while I was trying to make money as a stylist. Obviously, that's a bit of a hustle in the beginning. Um, and then it took me down a path with Aveda. I was a salon development partner for Aveda. And then I was a color educator for the Los Angeles market. And then I was very fortunate that my um, boss's boss, who was David Adams at the time, um, who's a hair color educator at the time with Aveda, he was the global director of color. And he was a very amazing mentor to me. And he was going on to do some education with a new company he founded called Red Chocolate. And mm -hmm. I was obsessed with education, obsessed with business, obsessed with hair color. And at a time in my life where I was ready to go back to school, I was going to start my master's in business. I had over the years gone back and done an undergrad. Um, and I was like, what are you guys doing? What's this red chocolate thing? It was like hair color, business, salon development. I need to join you. So I left Aveda and joined them. Um, it was so good. That really kicked off, I would say, where I am today, honestly, because I was in a position that no longer was I just in West Coast salons. I was in salons all over North America and I had a lot more exposure. It was a decade of traveling and meeting owners and meeting team and, and just made me highly curious about the dynamic because I was quite young. And so the team trusted me and they would tell me like everything they liked, everything they didn't like. You know, I was with them all day. 
and they just confided. And then I'd be at dinner with the owners at night and the management team and they would confide. And I'm like, I remember having these moments where I'm like, what is actually happening? We're just missing each other. Um, then we called the, the workforce, um, Gen Y. Now we call them millennials. And I identified as one of them. And I was like, everybody thinks we suck. Like, why do they think we suck? Like, so this like selfish initiative kind of turned into my career, honestly, where it was like, oh my God, how do we understand people? Yeah. Right. You know, like, how do we understand and get them to the right place? Um, I think that's driven my entire rest of my career was like, people should work in places they love, you know, mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. We should own businesses we love. You know, if we're going to be a salon owner or salon manager, it we should love it. You know, not that that means there's not going to be hard days, but it should be from a place of like, I'm so happy I'm doing this work um, or I'm so happy I work in this space. And so then that moved into like a desire to open a salon. So I owned a salon for about almost 10 years and mm -hmm. had a great experience, had a nice opportunity to exit that business in the fall of 2020. And I had already kicked off Talent Match, which was kind of a long time work in process, but working with teams to help them build better teams. Um, and it was kind of well-timed, but unintentional that we would come back from the pandemic and people would be in this place of needing staff. Mm -hmm. And so it was like right place, right time with a passion mm -hmm. and a, yeah, like an area I loved. And so then it was like, here I am. Um, and I love that work. It is my absolute favorite work is helping people figure out the right teams, building recruiting strategies, growing the business that they love um, or that they lead in. And then I was fortunate um, about a year ago, I was approached by Aveda. They were looking for me to come in and help them with some stuff going on in their field. You know, I know a lot of Aveda salons. Um, yeah. and I know a lot, all the owners I feel like are, are friends of mine. And so yeah. they wanted me to come in and help support them um, in building stronger relationships and helping the field and helping the salons. And so I, I made the decision to join them. Um, last April. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. So do you, are you strategizing with them then as yes. well? That's so cool. I yes. love this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I, I love, I, so what I do is recruit for seven locations and we're a franchise and, um, we're a new franchise, but a 40 year old company. Okay. So like lots of different moving parts, right? So I've been with the company for 17 years and doing what I do now for seven. Okay. So I, yeah, you learn a lot about people and before the pandemic and after the pandemic are just like night and day. And yeah. yeah and it was just like, oh my gosh, we have to like really start thinking in different ways. And um, you know, but not lose who we were as a company. So I, I love that. So like, talk me through like what you do to get started with a salon. Yeah. So I'll kind of piggyback off of what you just said is like not losing who you were. So mm -hmm. I work around the concept of talent and recruitment from the lens that we have culture that we have to think through and we have criteria. So there's these kind of two lanes, culture being who we are right? This is like us. This is what we value. This is how we show up. This is how we interact. This is the vibe of the space. Um, and culture is something that I believe is always kind of a living, breathing thing. Um, and that we shape it or it shapes itself, right? If we don't shape it, it, it still becomes a thing. And those are things that I don't think we should change out of fear, industry evolution, um, 
we should never change it other than to make it better and to cultivate the space we want it to be. Right. So that is a like hard stake in the ground for me, like be who you are, like, and who you want to be on the other side, we have these things called criteria and criteria are the things that with talent match, we conduct pretty large research surveys with the workforce to say, what do you want from us? You know, right. like what kind of business do you want to work in? Cause obviously we have a couple lanes in the beauty industry. Do you want to be a team member? Do you want to be self-employed? Do you want to work in a suite or a chair rental? Like, so there's lots right. of options. Do you want to teach, right? What do you want to do? Yep. So we conduct these surveys. We ask a lot of questions. I'm just moving. Yeah, no worries. And then what we do is we take that data and we help solidify criteria areas that salons need to think about. So to make you more competitive. So as an example, we know post pandemic, one of the biggest changes was a preference for flexibility. Mm -hmm. Now that preference existed before the pandemic, but most salon owners still had the ability to say, mm, yeah. this is what we need though. Yeah. <laughs> and you really, as an employee had to do that. Like you didn't have yeah. a lot of salons that were going to be super flexible. Then right. we come back from the pandemic and it's like, holy cow. Now the, Hey, salon owner, you're going to be flexible because the government says you have to be to meet safety requirements, but now also because the workforce is going to tell you what they want. And if you don't say yes, they're going to leave. So it, it became an interesting dynamic where we lost, I would say, as team-based businesses, uh, what I consider our authority. And that meant that we had to become better influencers, right? We had to really dive into influence over authority. And so what Talent Match does is we look at those lanes like flexibility and we help you identify where are the places you've got weak links for being appealing to the workforce today, um, both to attract them and to retain them. Right. And what sits in the middle of that always is the leadership, right? We can find team and we can keep team, but we have to lead team in the middle of that. And so Talent Match works on all three of those. So we look at the data, we assess your business, we think about those three lanes, um, and then we build strategies. And, and really, if you think of the bulk of the beauty industry, we're talking about salons that are under a half a million dollars, right? Or what I call in the march to a million. And if you're in that space, anywhere from half a million to a million, you probably don't have a recruiter. You probably don't have a marketer, right? You're struggling to figure out how to show up in the new world because now you have a whole new business function that was never something you had to do before. You didn't have to recruit. You just placed a job out and hired somebody, you know? It's true. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I know. And then if, we work with big companies too, of course. So we work with kind of salons of all sizes and then larger corporations to understand um, this challenge of finding staff today. I love it. So do you also, so you work a lot with the salon, you dive very deep into let's figure out what you need and who you're looking for. Do you ever go and out and go to like beauty schools and yes. ask them? Okay. I love yeah, this. So all of my research actually, um, I would say the bulk of it comes out of the schools. So I have partnerships um, with a variety of school brands. And so they help deploy the surveys that we conduct. And so okay. then when our surveys come back, they're coming from the student population. Um, we typically get around 20,000 responses every year. And then we compile that data. And then we use that data to inform the salons to say, look, we've talked to the students, you know, we know yeah. what they're saying. And then we also thankfully have a large um, stylist database. And then the schools also will send it to their previous graduates. So we have mm -hmm. like kind of three lanes we get to serve into. Um, to be able to say, 
here's why we know that flexibility is the number one, right? Or here's why we know money matters in this way, or here's how much they want to earn or whatever it is. There's a lot of data points. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I was on your website and it's beautiful. Like it's just everything spe like spelled out. Everything makes sense. And I love how you really, you really do strategize like you don't want to lose who you are and the culture thing. Because I have to say, when I first started doing this, I hired literally everyone. Sure. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, yes, of course you want a job with us. And yeah. you know, I, I quickly realized that that wasn't a very good idea. And, and that's where the whole purpose and values and everything came back into our company for sure. You know, we just had to sit in a room and be like, so we have to be clear on who we are and who we're looking for. And if they don't align, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, like be okay with, with, you know, not everyone's going to come work here. And it's that was like tough. It is tough because certain size brands, so like yourself, you guys do play a bit in the quantity game. Like you need staff and every salon needs staff to grow. It's the fastest way to grow, add people, right? Because if you look at incremental growth from a busy stylist, it's small. So like you need new people for the business to actually grow in revenue. But at the same time, we're a unique industry. There's very few like us where when that staff leaves, that consumer leaves. So we have this delicate balance of like, how hard do we push to drive quantity on the top of funnel to get people in, knowing that they're going to take people with them when they leave us. Yeah. Um, so it's a balancing act, right? And mm -hmm. and also it's a learning for the business owner and the leadership to not take things personally when people decide to leave because it's so painful. Yeah. It's so emotional and personal and depending oh. on the size of your business, financially impactful negatively. Yeah. So it's like, oh my gosh, like, we have a lot of work to do to feel okay about it. And, and I just believe like driving the front end value piece helps sort all of that. It gets your head in the right place. It helps you like, it's okay if they left, this isn't their yeah. place. You know, it's Absolutely. okay. Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. I mean, I remember just crying every time someone would leave and being like, oh my gosh, this is my fault. You know, yeah. like, how could I let this happen? And, and I mean, gosh, you go through all the things, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're emotional people. Yeah. And, you know, and so uh, it does, it takes a long time to get to a spot where you're like, you know what? You're right. We weren't good from the beginning. And we both knew that. but you know, and, and, and it's okay. And, uh, and I think it's so important too to remind yourself that if you do bring in the wrong person, you're also upsetting the people that you have in your salon already. Yes, that is so true. And I think that we've seen that a lot post pandemic as businesses were forced to evolve in the criteria buckets. And yet yeah. a lot of senior stylists that did stay that were like, wait a minute, I had to fill in the blank, right? I had to work this many hours or yep. like kind of the pay your dues mentality. Mm -hmm. So there's already a bit of tension, which yep. is, it, it makes sense, right? It's a big change for everybody. So it's like, there's this tension over here. You bring in these new people. And if there's a cultural misalignment, then it's like, you take that tension and set it on fire. <laughs> it's not good. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I think. And so like, what is your advice when, um, you know, culture is a thing. We have these values. We have all this stuff. How often do you go back to those and be like, are we still this? Are we still this culture? Yeah. So I look at that a few ways. I think from a leadership layer, 
my personal recommendation as a brand to salons we work with and brands we work with is that on a six month rotation, you should be temp checking your business. And you should do that through surveying your team to understand what they have to say. And you should be doing that through assessing what your clients have to say, because you can have a look through reviews and pretty quickly discern like, are we showing up the way we say we want to show up, right? Would would the outside world that comes into our inside space, do they talk about us the way we hope they would? Do they use words? Would they theme us out in these buckets of how we self-describe? Because if they're not, we're probably not showing up the way we wanted to. So it, for me, I recommend that that is a biannual thing that leadership should take on through yeah. both, both stakeholders that matter, right? Clients and staff. Um, and then I think that at a more granular lo level, the way we drive that is through having what I like to call hopes and dreams meetings. So that's like how regularly is leadership meeting with the team? One-on-one. Yeah. Right. Like, what are your dreams? What do you want? Like, how do you see the business? And making sure that whatever you're doing as a leader is driving towards what they want. Because we're in a place where people want more authenticity, more flexibility, more transparency, more like, this is about me. I want my life at work to fit the life I want at home. I want off at the time I need to be off because of fill in the blank. I have kids or I play this sport or I want a vacation or I just don't want to work after five, whatever it is. So it's like this, um, it's, it's kind of a constant massaging act where we used to always say like, oh, you have to coach. And it's like, yeah, you do, but also you need to connect. <laughs> you, know, you need to like, oh, yeah, know people. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing that I've been learning. And I actually like really had to focus more on myself because, mm -hmm. like, if I didn't understand, you know, how to like better myself, how can I help someone else do the same thing for them? So, um, what do you do for your, for yourself to like keep yourself going and, and motivated and inspired? Yeah. Um, I read a ton, like massive, massive reader. I'm also like, I say this jokingly, but I am like a self-proclaimed quote junkie, which is why my Instagram looks the way it looks. <laughs> I'm like, I love that. I'm, like yeah. short little snippets that can like kick my brain into a space. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big like vision board plan it out, dream it up kind of thing. And so I like to do that regularly at my birthday for me is like when I define that and then I kind of work around that all year. And like my office actually, if I, it's kind of a little bit embarrassing, but if I turn my camera around just a little bit, you're going to oh, see love like it. vision boards literally cover my wall over there. That is um, awesome. And then I'm big too on like what I call resiliency planning because. Oh, I love that we all find ourselves in positions where our head is like just in a shitty place. Right. It's like, yeah. and so I think it's about skill development that lets you a recognize you're going down a path. You don't want to go down yeah. in your head. Um, and then be like, what's going to stop the path and then see what's going to kick you out of it. And so for me, it's constant work to like self-awareness. Hey, Absolutely. Steph, like you're not where you want to be mentally now stop the spiral. Right. And sometimes, mm -hmm. I'm good at stopping it and sometimes I'm not right. So it's like, what stops it getting up and walking around, um, tapping. I don't know if you've like familiar with that mm -hmm. tapping. Um, yes, I read a book about it and it's, it's so it's good. Mind blowing. So good. But like, typically it's like physical movement will at least like get me to recognize now I need to move into what is like one of my plan C strategies, which is mm -hmm. reading the quote, calling a friend, watching a funny video, like something that's going to like get you in a better place. 
yeah. you know, because I think as leaders, it's our responsibility to own managing mm-hmm. our own emotional well-being and knowing when we need to refill our cup, you know, Absolutely. because we pour into people all the time. So what are we doing to get inspired? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't agree with you more. I really can't. I I have a vision board, not like that, but it's my screensaver. Oh, I love that. That's so, such a like, good idea. I do like Pinterest and like mm-hmm. all these little things. So like when I look at my phone, I'm like, oh yeah, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do that? <laughs> you, you know, know what? Pinterest is one of the most... Um, underused in my mind and who knows how much people use it but i always think this is my favorite social media like it is my favorite personally me too me too because i i i feel happy when i'm watching when i'm going always yeah so there's nothing sad about it (laughs) (laughs) always oh i love it so um well so tell me more about like are you working on any big projects right now or you like what is what is that looking like for you yeah, so gearing up for a new year, always a time that I'm working on a lot of things. Um, oh, yeah. I'm right now, I'd say what I'm most focused on is my next speaking event, is just getting prepared for that. So I am speaking at Serious Business in New Orleans, which is a big beauty industry event. I'm not sure if yeah. you've ever been, but yeah. so good. So yeah. I'm excited to be at that in January. So I'm just refining that presentation and practicing mm-hmm. and getting ready. Um, and then really working on what my goals are for talent match for next year. So we're defining the way we want to edit projects we work on and the work we want to do with different teams. Um, and then I would say thirdly, we have, this has been a work in progress for a while, but, um, matchable, which is the technology that I've been building to help match talent to the right salon is about to go into beta. So that is like so exciting. We're going to be starting in a couple of schools and um, getting ready to to like join the world of like technology founders. So that's exciting. That is so awesome. That is amazing. Good for you. Thank you. That's so cool. So what, um, and what, what about personally? What are you doing personally? Like, yeah. What are you, well, what are you thinking about in the new year? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm a mama. I've got two little boys. So a lot of my life right now is like, what are we doing that's fun for the holidays? Uh, Yeah, me too. I have two girls. (laughs) Okay. So yeah. So I'm like, oh, when are we building our gingerbread houses? And when are, tonight actually we're going on a little um, light stroll. We're going to, a bunch of our friends, there's like 10 of us, 10 couples. And we're all the moms and all the kids are going to pile into some cars, make some hot chocolate and go drive around and look at Christmas lights. So that's super fun. My boys are four and five, so they're like in the most fun ages. Like I love it so much. So mine are mine are nine and eight. Okay. And so like they're just kind of right there, like this yeah. this space where they're growing up, but they're not really like yeah, they they're still little, little, but like they, they probably think they're big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every other day they're different. So we're, I'm just trying to keep up. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. So we're just working on, you know, for now, like fun, being present in the holidays and taking time with them. And then uh, starting to plan vacations for next year. I'm a big traveler. So I like experiences and I love to include my kids in that. So we're just kind of like, what are we doing next year? You know, where do do I want them to go? What do I want them to see? I love that. Do you know? Do you have any idea? Yeah. So um, we are planning a beach trip, which we like to go to Destin. It's one of our favorite beaches. Um, and then we have a lake house. So we do, we're, we do lots of trips to the lake, um, lots of boat riding and like all that fun. Um, we're planning a trip to Mexico. That's like a friend's group, like just that's couples, fun. no kids 
going to oh, be a blast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's going to be a good <laughs> And then I live in Ohio, and so we're pretty drivable to a lot of places. So one yeah. of the places we love to go is Gatlinburg um, okay. because it's fun hiking, and it's like go-karts and games, and like the boys love it. So That sounds so fun. Yeah. That's so awesome. I know. We just – we did a big – trip last year to Disney World oh, and yeah. that was like a big deal and it was like five we did five days in Disney World and then five days in Clearwater so it was kind of love like it perfect vacation <laughs> yeah yeah it's I love love that especially your kids ages they probably had the best time they had a great time I mean I really think that they really enjoyed it but I will say I think that can come to a close now because every day we're in the park, they're like, are we going back to the hotel to go swimming? <laughs> and I'm like, um. No, we paid a lot of money to be here. <laughs> no, you're just sitting in this line and go on this ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it's funny. My husband and I were like, you're gonna get on um, the Tower of Terror and it's just an elevator that goes up and down. <laughs> and oh my like, gosh. No. <laughs> Yes, they see it like drop down. They're like, no way. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, that's funny. we need to go on all the rides. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I love like this, this space that we're in right now, this time period. And like, I know a lot of people talk about this generation, but I really don't think it's a generation thing. I think it's just, we're in this time period of like, life is quick life it goes by fast and yeah. want to be able to be a part of it and and still do what i love to do and be passionate about it too so like how can we juggle these things um and and i do think that it was a huge mind shift for everyone um yeah. but yeah i mean what do you feel like your top like three things for salons or for stylists even to you know really start thinking about in the new year um to get to get more of that planning going. Yeah. So I would say for salons, it would be about identifying, you know, what is your growth vision? And that that's like dialing it down. How many staff do you need to add? Right? What does that look like? What's your revenue goal and back into it? You know, you can identify what every staff member can bring you in revenue in their first year. So start to start to think about what you're trying to get to and break that down by staff. And then once you have a goal, you can get planning on attracting the people that are going to help you meet that goal, right? Yeah. And then you know what you're working towards. And I think it feels better, especially with recruiting being something that's newer for salons that aren't big. Um, it feels good to know, like you can check off like, oh, I hired one person, two people, three people, like you're accomplishing it because otherwise it just feels overwhelming. And I think if I was a stylist in a salon right now, the advice that I would give them is to get really clear also on like, what do they want their career to create for them? Because I think we're in a time that, it's easy to fall into the trap of like, I want this kind of a schedule or I want to charge this kind of a price, but it's like, what's the purpose behind the work you're doing? And I would get more specific about, are you trying to earn a certain amount of money? Are you trying to live a certain lifestyle? Are you trying to reach a certain goal? And again, I would quantify that. How, what do we need to be at for price to do that? What kind of hours trend or how many transactions, what kind of hours? Like I would be planning because then you can just get into the work of doing great hair and have a few metrics you watch to see if you're going to get to where you want to go. Because it's so easy, I think, as a stylist um, to just get caught up every day. You're just doing the same thing. And then you start to feel bored. 
And then you start to feel like, is this what I want to do with my life? I mean, I talk to so many hairdressers who say that to me. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this forever. I don't want to be behind the chair. Um, and that would take me to my second recommendation for stylists, which is take care of yourself mentally and emotionally, because in that role, you get poured into all the time with information that isn't always positive, right? You get big shares. So it's like, you take all that on. And then I would ask the same question I ask of leaders, which is how are you filling your own cup? So it's a little bit about boundaries and self-protection and then the refill, because I think we, we burn out in the beauty space because we take on emotion of other people all the time, all the time. And it's exhausting. So I think, you know, yeah. get clear on that. You don't have to take that on. You can still do work, great work, great hair, and not take on all the bleh that people want to put on you. Right. I absolutely can't agree more. Um, and you hit a really, a really good spot with that in leadership. I feel like, you know, as owners and managers, you, you definitely feel like you need to do everything and you take it all on yourself. And that can be really heavy. And I think, you know, with, um, with franchising and this being the new thing for us, um, that's been I've, I've watched all seven of the new owners do that. And, but what's beautiful is that two years later, they're realizing that and just kind of letting it go, you know, let it, yeah. someone else take care of that or, or, you know, do delegate a bunch of different things. And I feel like that's huge. It's hard, but it's okay. And it, you need to do it. Yeah. I think the beauty space, like if you're an, if you're a franchise owner or a private owner, whatever your situation, if you own mm -hmm. a business and you are invested in a way that's not just for financial gain, right? right. This is a relationship driven business. Mm -hmm. So you are in a relationship with your business, whether you want to be or not, because people that work for you are in a relationship with your business. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about this ownership from kind of like two mental spaces. One is like, the black and white, it's a business, the PL, the revenue expenses, all that. And the other is it's the people that drive the top line revenue. So you are in a relationship with them. And yeah. you've got to make sure you're then in a good place mentally and emotionally to be in a relationship with however many staff you employ, because you're going to have to be. If you want to be in the salon game, you are in a relationship with every single person you employ. And if you have no desire to be in relationship with people, you should not be in the salon game. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that. Yeah, that's a hard no. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people get in our industry thinking it's like, oh, it looks so fun. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm gonna kick your ass emotionally. Like, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have been out to, I've been out in schools, you know, doing presentations and things. And I'll get people saying, like, I, I'm scared of people or I don't want to talk to people. And I'm just like, um, I don't know how you're going to be successful then. Like you're honey, you're in the wrong place. Like, didn't I hope you're a massage that? therapist. That would, yeah. that's what I would say. <laughs> I you yeah. you don't have to talk. No. I'm just, it blows my mind. But, um, but you know what? And, and I think like there was definitely a period of time where we had younger generation coming in and it wasn't so hot and heavy with the the training and there and everything like that but i do think there's a shift and i do see like students coming out of school that are very driven very like 
they want to make money. They want to do really well. And no, it doesn't have to be all of these hours and all this time, because guess what? We have the clientele. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's no problem there, right? It's just yeah. like getting the staff. So what a shift, right? Like what a crazy yeah. time. This is like the, the best time to be in the beauty industry. I talk to friends who are like, I would say mentors, even not even friends who have been in the industry for, you know, decades longer than me. And we've all talked about how it is this interesting time that there's for the first time they can recall, certainly the first time I can recall. Well, I hope that you guys loved that as much as I did. I enjoyed that so much. So definitely give her a follow. You want to follow along with her this year for sure. She's got lots of exciting things happening. So definitely give her a follow and be on the lookout for some new and exciting things happening in 2023 with the podcast and keep staying connected. Have a great day.